You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Amen. All right, guys. Well, good morning. My name's Ryan. I wanted to invite up to the stage Teresa. Will you give her a big round of applause? She serves our kids so well. So, Okay. First of all, I just want to say thank you to this gal. She's the one who's the mastermind behind all the decorations Woo! here on the campus and put that together. So you have to come up here. That's this right. Is your sneaky way of doing this that. This is my sneaky way of doing that. But we've got Baptism Sunday coming up, and you sent out an email to the kids. Yeah. So it's a big deal, you know, because we want... We, we, every time we do a baptism Sunday, we get it ready. We have a photographer, a videographer ready. And so we're prepping the kids and yep. the students, the adults and all that. So Absolutely. Yeah. So for folks, anybody who has kids here in the building or students, we sent out um, an email about um, baptism Sunday and just what that means to your student. I mean, every week you should know, for those of you who has kids in, um, in the kids building or in student ministries, we are every week talking to your children about the gospel and the good word of, of the Lord. And so it, we're hoping that that opens the door and keeps the door open, right, for you to have those same discussions at home. And so if your child hasn't been baptized, your student or, or kid hasn't been baptized, we're hoping that that's a, a place where you can start having that conversation at home because we're in it all together. And, you know, if they're ready to proclaim their faith in Jesus Christ in a public way, we, we want to be on that path with them. We're talking to them about it in class, but, you know, it gets solidified at home. So caregivers, grandma, grandpas, moms and dads, all of you, right, are, are part of that journey. So we're opening the door and keeping yeah. it open. And there's a great link to a video. If you did get the email, there's a video that's in kid terms, um, which is good for them. So you can start the dialogue that way as well. Yeah, and so we've got also uh, moms, dads, we've got a baptism brochure right back there at the connection corner. If you want information on that, I want to encourage you to do that. Yep. And then and then as well, it's all online. So if you just rather do that, then it's all online. Right. So And the, baptism's a big deal. I mean, for you guys as a, a family too. I mean, yeah. we saw the picture, the first picture is Olivia being baptized, but you and your husband were also baptized. Share That's about right. your experience Yeah, that video that. of Olivia is amazing when the music works. <laughs> yeah. Music like swells with it when when well, we got the uh, bass. We I got know, the bass. Right? <laughs> we definitely That's got funny. the bass. But um, you know, my husband and I were raised Catholic, so our parents lovingly um, baptized us when we were when we were babies, and um, which is an amazing thing for parents to do. All of my children were baptized as babies. Um, but you saw my oldest daughter um, went to camp and came home from camp, and it was just a life-changing time. I mean, for the first time, it gives me chills still. For the first time, she felt God moving in her heart. And, and it was, she came home knowing that it was her own choice. And, you know, my husband and I were on that same journey. And it's, it's powerful when you're a baby because you know your parents are loving you and wanting to commit to raising you in the faith um, but it's a whole different level of commitment when you personally are there and you feel God moving in your heart. And, and that was yeah. my experience, my husband's experience. Yeah. And our daughter led the way. She officially chose before her parents did to And that uh, happens a lot at North Valley. And it's <laughs> so. interesting. If you look in revival history, it's usually the revival starts with the kids, the youth, and it just penetrates the whole culture. Yeah. So yeah. it's so cool. So thank you for serving here at North Valley. She serves at the kids this is a great person to, to connect with if you have a heart to help serve in a critical need. North Valley Kids is an awesome Absolutely. spot to teach kids all about Jesus. We have a lot of fun, too. Yes. So. 
We did a snow party. If any of your children came home looking like they had dandruff last week, it was not dandruff. That was fake plastic snow. I apologize <laughs> for how long it took you to get it out of their head. <laughs> and then and they're having like some cute little they ornament. So much fun. <laughs> they have some cute little ornament thing going yeah. on today, right? So yeah, a little handprint suite. Yeah. Awesome. Well, shh, that's what oh, sorry. About that, Ryan. All right. We won't tell the second service ahead of time. You got your two connected. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Give her a round of applause, Thanks, guys. Sarah. She did a great job. Hey, I want to tell you, listen, um, when you guys give at North Valley, you're creating life change. And so um, our hope offerings coming up and what that is, is this fuels local and global missions. And when you think about people's lives being impacted, these are the resources that help make that happen, this hope offering. And so I just want to say thank you for those of you that have given in the past towards this. Um, we are, we're, we're ramping up all sorts of mission efforts. And really, the size of the hope offering is really the size of mission and outreach that we can do every year or so. Our local and global mission outreach initiatives all comes through that. So I just want to encourage you, when you're thinking about giving, we have the general fund, which is all the regular giving at the church, which is very, very important. Um, it helps fuel all the local ministries, all the ministry that we do on Sunday mornings and throughout the week, mission critical. And then this is the hope offering. This is what we try to do to help fuel um, local and global outreach again. So we'll be opening that up all the way in th through January 15th. If you'd like to give towards that, that will help really fuel our mission uh, locally and globally. As well is on Christmas, um, we take a hope offering and, uh, and, and receive that. And then we're able to um, invite 100% what happens on the Christmas services to help fuel that. So... What you guys um, are, are giving and serving, and I just want to say thank you. Um, uh, even as I walked onto the campus this morning, saw all the doors that were painted, the campus maintenance team has done that. Um, so much of you guys are active, and I just want to say thank you. So can we thank everybody that's giving and serving here at North Valley? Just really appreciate it. Okay, well, we're going to jump in this morning into God's Word. We're in a new message series called uh, A Child is Born. And it's, it really is, starts with the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, you can open up your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is where we will be looking at over the next two weekends. So this morning and then next week, I'm going to be focused on what the prophet Isaiah. A prophet is um, someone who really has three things about them. One is a prophet is somebody who receives a message from God. And they hear from God in a very unique, gifted way. And in the Old Testament, this is 700 plus years before the time of Jesus Christ, the prophet Isaiah um, was uh, an individual who received special revelation from God. A prophet's role and responsibility is not only to hear from God and receive a message, but the, 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 the responsibility is in, is in to declare that message. And specifically, he was declaring the message um, to the nation of Israel to share about this child that's going to be born. Not only is the prophet's responsibility to hear the message from God, then share the message to God's people, to people, but then to lead people in worship. That's what a prophet does. And so this morning, what we're going to see is that there's a kind of this communication gap. There's 700 years before the time of Christ where we're going to read about this child being born and the actual event that took place when Jesus was really born. And so there's three in this, I call it the communication gap. And there's kind of three different messages in communication. 
you have to look at what was actually said, and we're going to do that this morning in looking at the text in Isaiah, what was actually said, and then what people thought was said, and then what was meant to be said. Now, if, if you know, here at North Valley, it's really interesting to me, when I'm preaching a message, what I say is funny. What I actually say, it, people will come up to me and they'll say, hey, Pastor Ryan, I really loved your message the other day. You were preaching on this subject about, and I'm like, they start going into it and they say, that was really great. Do you have that on audio file or can I capture that or whatever? And I'm hearing them talk about my message and I'm like, that's not what I said. And they're like, but it really ministered to me. It's what people, what you say and then what people think you say and then what was actually meant to be said. And when it comes to the prophet, or, or, or think about it like this, even in your own marriage, if you're married, you, you know this communication gap exists very strongly. What was actually said, what your spouse thought you said, and then what was meant to be said. That happens all the time. So in, with the nation of Israel, you have this prophetic leader by the name of Isaiah. Let me tell you about him. Isaiah was a gentleman that was a, had a role and responsibility to tell the king in the southern kingdom. The nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the north kingdom and the southern kingdom at this point in time. And he, he's telling the king in the southern kingdom that they, they need to trust God and not form any other alliances with any other nation. He's challenging the king. He served as kind of a political advisor. Isaiah was highly educated. He was married with two kids. He was politically connected. He advised the king. And he is really interesting among all other prophetic leaders that we read about before the time of Christ because he actually writes and records more work about the Messiah, Jesus Christ, than any other Old Testament prophet. If you go to the New Testament and you're learning about uh, um, Jesus and, and the Christology is the theological phrase, you're going to go to the book of Romans. Isaiah is to the Old Testament what Romans is to the New Testament. It's saturated with Christological research and understanding of who Jesus is and the role of the Messiah. Isaiah grew up in the capital city, Jerusalem. Again, he received some of the best education he was deeply knowledgeable about the people and the religious um, uh, status of, of, of the day. Isaiah's role and responsibility was to share a, uh, and advise um, the king to turn towards the Lord and worship the Lord and not turn towards other nations for uh, support and encouragement or anything that would be contrary to God's will and God's way. So what we're going to look at this morning is actually what was said. This text is probably one of the most popular Christmas um, Bible verses, and we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And when it comes to Christmas, we all focus on this right here, the sweet little baby Jesus in the manger right here. And so we're going to see that this child was born. Let's look what Isaiah has to say. He's in chapter 9, verse 6. He says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. This morning what I want to do is 
um, share with you what I think Isaiah really meant us to understand what was actually said. He said that a son would be born, that a son is to be given, and the government would be upon his shoulder. But what did people actually think he was talking about? They actually thought that he would, they were expecting this child to be born um, very soon and that he would take a, upon a political reign and power and reform the nation of Israel and change things very quickly. And we know that things didn't change very, very quickly. That this is actually um, a prophecy about the birth of Jesus Christ. And it would take some 700 years later before all this we would see come into fruition. And so what, what I want to do is as we look at this and we come to um, the Christmas season. This morning I really want to try to help you understand what did Isaiah really mean in this text about this child being born, and then next week I want to unpack for you from this text the roles and the responsibilities, the characteristics of this child. So I'm going to ask the big question this morning as we approach Christmas is who is your Jesus? Who's your Jesus? And I think there's seven different ways that you can see Jesus. There's Probably more, but I'm going to choose seven. The first is the baby in the manger. The baby in the manger is how many people see Jesus. When they refer to Jesus, they think of sweet little baby in the manger. They think of Jesus like that. Let me read to you the passage of Scripture that's very popular. It was Charlie Brown's Christmas special, and it goes like this. I recorded it. I've captured it in the King James Version because it's what was most um, uh, mass distributed through television. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, it says, And there in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, uh, shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Now, here's my question is, why do you think people love babies so much? I mean, because I see the babies, and they, yes, they look very cute, but we just love babies. I think when it comes to Jesus, people love the baby Jesus so much. And it's really interesting to me is that only two of the Gospels record the birth of Jesus Christ. In fact, in the Gospels, there's only two chapters dedicated to the birth of Jesus Christ, which is very wild because the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's recorded in all four Gospels. The, the idea of the cross and the, the last week of Jesus is deeply recorded in the Gospels and, and, and written about in the epistles and the Apostle Paul's letters. But the birth of Jesus is people outside of the church um, think about Jesus as this sweet little baby. So why, is, why, do, why do we love babies so much? 
You know, I mean, they can, when they come out and you see them, I mean, they could look like Yoda and we still say they're cute. I mean, it's really interesting to me. You can pull a child, there's a baby picture like, oh, look how cute that baby is. And I'm thinking, are we lying to ourselves? That baby looks like Yoda. (laughs) But we love babies. And why do we love Jesus as the baby in a manger? I would say it's really interesting to me. I think it's maybe because of the innocence of a child. So we love that. Um, I think American culture loves the baby Jesus so much, maybe because it's so non-threatening. So we love that Jesus. But there's more to Jesus than just a baby. And I think when Isaiah was writing, he wasn't trying to portray the Jesus that we make him out to be in American culture, that he's just this baby. Was he a baby? Absolutely. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 talks about Jesus coming to earth. Um, in Matthew chapter 2, that we write, the, the gospel writer writes and records about Jesus. So it, there's no doubt he, he did come and was a baby in a manger, but that's not all who he is. Who's your Jesus? Number two, some people see Jesus as the great teacher. Matthew 5 through 7 this is a Sermon on the Mount. It's a, Jesus is this incredible teacher. Many people looked at Jesus as he's just a great what teacher. He's an amazing rabbi. My Jewish friend, um, um, really good friend of mine, strong business leader in the community. I was talking to him the other day, and uh, we were talking, and he is sympathetic towards our cause and says, well, I like what you guys do. We have a discussion about Jesus, and he says, Jesus was just a great teacher, wasn't he? And I'm like, he's so much more than a teacher. He wasn't just a teacher. See, why do we like, is your Jesus just a great teacher? If Jesus is just a great teacher, and he offers great advice, then what do you get to do as a Christian? You can pick and choose what you like. You could be like a college student. You show up for the professor you like. You can walk out of class when you like. But Jesus, is he a teacher? Yeah, he's a great teacher. But Isaiah had more in mind that he was just this child or other people see Jesus as just great teacher. They can pick advice from, do copy-paste Christianity. But Jesus was more than a teacher. In John 14, 6, he says radical statements that are very exclusive he says this, Jesus said to him, I, to Thomas, who was a doubter, he was very skeptical about Christianity, about Jesus and the movement that was going on. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So is Jesus a baby in a manger to you? Is Jesus just a great teacher? Or what about this, Jesus the great healer? In Matthew's gospel, it records that Jesus is going out doing all sorts of incredible miracles, healing the sick, um, casting out demons, doing these incredible healing, power, uh, powerful uh, uh, ministry. In Mark chapter 1, we read this. This is a very unique story about Jesus as a healer. Uh, does Jesus heal? Yes, Jesus did heal. Jesus is a healer. He is a healer. But let me show you this, how I think this could change the way you see Jesus as just more than a healer. In verse 30 of Mark chapter 1, and this is Peter. Uh, now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. So Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And immediately they told him, uh, this is Jesus, about her. 
And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. So Peter's mom is sick. Peter knows this is how you're going to score some really good points with the in-law. So Jesus, you need to come over, heal my mother-in-law. Jesus does. And immediately she just gets up and she starts serving everybody. And it says a fever left her and she began to serve them. And then that evening at sundown, that's interesting because at sundown that would have ended the Sabbath time. And so people are free to start bringing more people and have a little more freedom in their schedule. They brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city gathered together at the door and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons, and he'd not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon, those who were with him, searched for him. So he leaves. People are looking for him. They were searching for him, verse 37, and they found him. And they said to him, hey, everyone is looking for you. Kind of a sense of frustration. Jesus, you're healing people. Everybody's looking for you. What are you doing? And he said to them, hey, Let's go to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Here's my point. If you see Jesus as a great healer and that's it, I think you're going to be very disappointed. Jesus didn't heal everybody. In fact, Jesus left a crowd of people that needed healing and said, I'm done healing. I'm going to go teach again. If you see Jesus as your great healer, what happens when you pray and you ask God to heal the person that is sick and he doesn't do it. Or think about this, I would call this spiritual delusionment. You're going to be disillusioned with your faith if Jesus is to you just this great healer. Think about all those he did heal. He did heal a lot of people. Eventually they got older and later, what? They all died. Think about those he rose from the dead. They got older and later they all died. My point is, is this, is Jesus is more than a great healer. Who's your Jesus? How do you see Jesus? What does Isaiah want us to think about this child that is to be born? Fourthly, there's this good example Jesus to follow. Is your Jesus just a good example? I hear this all the time. Jesus was a great example. I'm going to follow and live like him. That's great. He was a great example. He really is. We wear the bracelet. WWJD. Help me out. What would Jesus do? There you go. That's a great thing to ask. What would Jesus do? Let me tell you the problem. If we see our whole Christianity as what would Jesus do, then we miss, listen to me, what has Jesus done? And then our whole faith becomes, I'm never good enough. Jesus is so much better than me. I feel like I'm never going to be holy enough. Well, Christianity is not just about what Jesus does or what would Jesus do. It's about what has Jesus done. So should we follow the example of Jesus? Absolutely. But who is your Jesus? Is he just a good example to follow? He's more than just a good example. And 1 Peter 2, 21 says this. And we should follow in the example of Christ, and that's good. He says this, For to this you've been called, because Christ also suffered for leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his footsteps. 
So Jesus is a good example, and we should follow in his footsteps and live like him, serve like him. Jesus is far more than just a good example. When I was in uh, college, um, I went to the University of Arkansas there in Little Rock, and I studied business, and I figured for an elective, I'd take an Old Testament class. And it was a um, um, somebody, I guess they had dried up and died in their faith and decided they had enough head knowledge to teach the Bible. And they're reading through the Bible and telling me all these things. And, and then he goes on to say, but this is all more mythical. This is all um, fiction. And I'm like, raise my hand, and I'm like, what did you just say? I'm a Christian, and I'm a new Christian, and I thought, if you're going to teach the Bible, you teach it like it's real. And the guy says to me, well, look, you know, the Old Testament characters we've got and the New Testament characters, especially Jesus, they're just good examples for us to follow. And I'm like, is that how the world sees Jesus? Who's your Jesus? What about the Jesus on the cross? In John chapter 19, this just takes up massive amounts of literature in the New Testament. All four Gospels record this. So if you were just weighing out what do the Gospel writers think is very important about who Jesus really is, it's interesting. You get two chapters on the birth of Jesus. You get tons of literature about Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross John 19 writes about it, and 1 John and 1 Peter says this. Listen to this. This is so important to understand. For Christ also suffered once, everybody say once, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, made alive in the spirit. It's interesting to me. You'll go to some churches. Let's show the passage in 1 Peter. Um, you'll see, you'll go to some churches, and you will see that Jesus is on the cross, have you ever been to a church before where you're like, Jesus is on the cross and there's like lots of like blood and lots of stuff and you're like kind of, maybe not real blood, but you see Jesus on the cross and it's just kind of like very gothic feeling. It's interesting to me if there's this idea in some churches that Jesus is on the cross and they see Jesus totally, their Jesus is the Jesus on the cross. And the reason why is this, as I understand it is that many believers believe that Jesus is still atoning for our sins, meaning he's perpetually dying on the cross so that we can perpetually have forgiveness. But let's read that 1 Peter 3.18. For this you've been called because... Oh, wait, that's, that's the wrong passage. Look at that. I got the wrong passage. 1 Peter 3.18, look in there in your Bible. You can pull it up. 1 Peter 3.18, let me just read it to you. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. He died one time. Many Christians will see their Jesus as the Jesus on the cross. I I hear this a lot, even with people. I remember um, when I first came to faith in Christ, I had some wild friends, and they would come to, and they'd always call me, hey, when are you guys taking communion at the church? I'm like, oh, at the church at the time, we took communion about once a quarter. It wasn't very much. And I would say, well, we're taking it like this date. And they'd say, great, I'm going to be there. And I said, why? And they said, they would say this, because I need forgiveness. Because I've been sinning a lot. And if I go, then my Jesus can forgive me. 
Let me tell you something. Jesus suffered once for all sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring us to God. Did Jesus die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins? Yes, he did. It, should we hold that and believe that? Yes, we should. Every time we take communion, we should remember that and savor that. But who is your Jesus? Is he just the Jesus on the cross? He's more than that. Or what about the resurrected Jesus? It's very interesting to me. You can go to some churches and there are no crosses at all. Not on the campus, not in the, any building, nowhere there's a cross. Because the cross is very offensive. And so they'd rather focus in on the Jesus that's resurrected, has new life. Is your Jesus the resurrected one? Is the resurrection very important? Crucially important. All the four gospel writers write about it in great detail. In fact, out of the birth, the death, and the resurrection, most of the writers in the New Testament are focused on the resurrection. This is what the Apostle Paul said, this. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Should we believe in the resurrected Jesus? Should we love the resurrected Jesus? Yes. What was Isaiah getting at, though? Unto us a child is born. Here's what I want to encourage you to think about Jesus. What I think Isaiah was going after more than anything is that he's the king of kings. All those other things are true. Don't get me wrong. But when you see your Jesus, don't see him as just the baby in the manger. When you see your Jesus, don't see him just as the good example or the great teacher or the great healer. But see him as the king of all kings. See, Isaiah was writing, and let's read with fresh eyes again this idea. And it's not just in Isaiah, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Go read about that. The doctrinal phrase is the incarnation of Christ. There's this exaltation that this child had a kingly role and responsibility throughout all the world, through all times. The book of Colossians, when Paul writes to the church in Colossae, he talks about him having supremacy over all things. In Revelation, we get this picture of Jesus being the high king of heaven and having king of kings as his name. And Isaiah, let's read with fresh eyes again. For to us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government, government, who has government, kings have government, shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's royalty in that language. Verse 7, let's go to verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. Let me just stop right there. Who has a throne? A king has a throne. Who has a kingdom? A king has a kingdom. He says, to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So let me respond and say this. If Jesus is our king, then what? If Jesus is our king, then that means that we are to submit to him. We submit to him as our king. Is Jesus 
the baby born in a manger? Absolutely. Was Jesus a great teacher? Absolutely. Was Jesus a great healer? Yes. Was he a good example? What, did he suffer on the cross for our sins? Was he resurrected? Yes. What was Isaiah going after? He was going after Jesus as king. That he had a literal lineage from King David, this child that would be born 700 years later would claim that throne, have the, the literal, physical bloodline from King David, and would not only set up a literal throne one day, but a spiritual kingdom here and now. And so we are operating in this time frame where if Jesus is our king, then we're all to submit to him. We're part of the kingdom as believers. And that means that we are his servants. You and me, we're his servants. And if we're his servants, what are we to do? We need to build his kingdom. This is his kingdom. Even the Lord's Prayer, the great teacher, I just said earlier, what did the great teacher, what's the greatest sermon that the greatest teacher of all time taught? Matthew 5 uh, through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And in that is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Our king has a kingdom agenda. We're his servants. And so what are we to do? We're to serve. We're to submit. We're to help build his kingdom. So in order for us to do this, I want to encourage you. Here's how we're going to put it into practice at this Christmas season. To bring all that Jesus is to light as we're going to build his kingdom, I want to encourage you to join us as we serve and build up his kingdom this Christmas at North Valley. And in order to help me out, I'm going to have Ellis from our guest services team come up and uh, share with you about what we're doing this Christmas season. So if you would, would you give a big round of applause for Ellis on our guest services team. So Ellis... You guys are got a lot going on. Oh, I'll take this. We got this. What is this? Okay. I'm just going to put this on, all right? Sounds okay. good. All right. So what do you guys got going on for guest services? It is an exciting time for guest services. Uh, guest services will be here for the Christmas season. We will be operating full staff. And the different services that we'll be having would be Saturday the 22nd, the 4 o'clock service also. Can I interrupt? I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay. I just totally messed him up. But we don't have to wear this if we're serving on guest services, do we? I hope not, Pastor. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. This is for something else, so go ahead. You go okay, ahead. again, for the Saturday. <laughs> you the brought Saturday, this to me. So. For the Saturday service, uh, which will be our first service for Christmas, we'll have our 5 o'clock service, and then we'll also, a 4 o'clock service again with our 5.30 service. Then on that Sunday will be our regular service, which would be the 9 a.m. and the 10.30. And then on Christmas Eve, yes, I said it, Christmas Eve, we have service. And that service, again, will be the 4 o'clock and the 5.30 service. So and they've got all that in their program. Or yes. at least this, this little card we've, we've given you in your chairs. want to encourage you to reach out. So basically, you got a lot of opportunities for people to serve within guest services. As well, there's a lot of opportunities. Man, this is really cool. For, Star Wars. Uh, this, somebody asked me earlier, is that a lightsaber? And I said, yes, it is. <laughs> and if you've got a baby Yoda, bring him to me. <laughs> 
So, um, that was funny. Okay. Um, but this is for parking. Yes. So if people want to serve on the parking team, they can do that. We have room for you on parking team. We have room for you with guest services. You could be a great help to the kingdom by coming yeah. over to our Connect Corner uh, after service. We have, for those that are signing up to volunteer for guest services, again, those dates are that Saturday, Sunday, and also Monday, Christmas Eve. Uh, we have a little treat for you once you sign up over there, and we can have you doing a variety of things. We can have you greeting people as they come into the sanctuary. We can have you actually standing at the doors, passing out programs, and we can just have you standing there just to greet the people and say thank you for coming to North Valley for our Christmas services. Let me grab one of these programs. Can you hand me that real quick? So we've got, on this program, thank you, um, we've got a connect section, and so they can tear it off on the back right here today, Yes. yes. right? They can fill it out, and then it just says on the back, I'd like, well, it says, my decision today, and it says, I'm ready to, I'm willing to help where needed. That's what it says. On the second one, I'd like more information about, I'm willing to help where needed. Um, so if that's you, if you would do that, I mean, we can't make it, right? We can't right. do the exactly. Christmas services. Right. And we know that Christmas is one of the most important times of the year for people to hear who Jesus is. Amen. So, I mean, Joshua was out there the other day and then passing out thousands of invitations to people um, to come to our Christmas services. So this is our chance, guys. I think when, if Jesus is our king and we all submit to him and say, Lord, you're the king, you get all the glory, then let's submit to him in that. And then let's turn around and let's serve together. And we're building up that spiritual kingdom. And this is a way that we can all help join in on that team. So if they can, if you guys will just... Check the box. I'm willing to help where needed. You got some donuts over there? Yes, yes, okay. yes. I mean, who doesn't like donuts? That's know? right. Well, gluten-free yeah. people don't like the donuts. Know. Sorry, y'all. Yeah. Sorry. We got water. <laughs> I mean, right? We got water. There we go. All right. So let me pray for you, and I'll take off this. But this is cool. I think, I think the Illumination guys need this next time, you know? So <laughs> like, there you go. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. Thank you for all, Lord, that you're doing here. Thank you for the baptism Sunday coming up next week and what you're going to do there. Thank you that we're building together your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, we pray. Might we unite together, Lord, to build up your name, the name above all names, Jesus' name, this Christmas season at North Valley. Um, pull upon our hearts, Lord, to get involved, to get engaged. Even if we've never served before, this is the time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, and before we leave, real quick, next weekend we got Baptism Sunday. Tell, tell me what's happening with you and your family. This is so cool. Oh, my goodness. This is a personal testimony. Uh, my father-in-law, my wife and I moved him. For, I'm going to make this quick. My father-in-law, we moved him from New York here to Arizona, and um, he is not a believer. Uh, he's also a vet. So during the time that I had to take him all the way to Flagstaff and bring him back, which was twice, I had the opportunity to have to, to witness to him. And he couldn't go nowhere. We in the car, y'all. You know what I mean? He's so, got him trapped. <laughs> so during the time that I took him up and back, I was witnessing to him. And as of today, he told my wife that he is going to come next Sunday to be baptized. <laughs> now, yeah. mind you, he is 92 years old. Hey. World War II vet, and it is going to be a pleasure and an honor to be able to be here and baptize him in the name of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, thank you all for serving and giving to help build up his kingdom. Amen. Amen. All right. 
Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.